the wrong side of the red line, Dallas Stars Podcast. Here is your host, Sean Shapiro. Happy Tuesday morning, Ryan. There's nothing happy about it. It's raining. It's raining? It's 65 degrees here. Oh, bite me. I think that's the second week in a row I've said that. Probably. It has. I think I think it was our cold open last week. I think you're right. Yeah. It's a, uh, but you know what? Is it a good day or a bad day in Boston? I was trying to figure that out when I was driving home this morning. From everything, everything that I've been on so far suggests that it is a bad day, and everyone is in the office for waiting until Patriots Parade Day to do their little news dump. It was an expert. Okay, if you're talking about an expert PR news dump day, that's the day where you're. Uh, if you don't want, if you don't want your, if you don't want that story to be on the front page of the Boston Globe, today was the day to do it. Yeah, that's even better than five p.m. on a Friday. Yes. And of course, now it's we've got the uh, with Claude Julian on the market. That's what there's probably what he, that makes him gallant. Ken Hitchcock probably, if he wants to coach again, that probably we probably now have a, the triumphant of the uh, the three coaches that are probably the. Hottest commodities, um, hottest going to be the hottest commodities in the off season, I believe. Now, if if you take a look at that grouping, now that's assuming Claude Julian even makes it to the off season. That's another good question. It's if if he uh, it's, who knows Vegas could try and jump on that right now. I was going to say if I'm George, I was going to I was assuming we were going to get into this today, but that's what yeah. I was going to say. If I'm George McPhee, I'm calling Claude Julian right now and saying. Hey man, I know uh, kind of got a raw deal there in Boston. Uh, how about taking the rest of the year? We'll uh, we'll bring you on right now. We'll pay you to help us with our advanced scouting and preparation. Give you a say in what we do next year. How about it? You want to come to Sin City? It's not a bad offer, but then the thing if I'm Claude Julian and I take a look at, it, do I want to coach an expansion team that's not going to be any good? See, that's true, too. That's the, that's the flip side of that coin is you're looking at a guy who's, you know, six years removed from a Stanley Cup who's arguably one of the best coaches in the game right now. Do you really want to take, you know, go back to that? So I guess let's look at it from, the, let's look at it from Claude Julian's perspective. Mm-hmm. What do you do next year? Do you t- I mean, he's still getting paid by, from Boston next year, so he doesn't have to coach next year if he really doesn't feel like it. Mm-hmm. What do you do next year? Because, I mean, really, I mean, when you look at it, I mean, the only teams that are really going to be coming after him are, "Quote unquote, bad teams." Yes and no. We, I mean, if I'm looking at, if I'm Julian, I don't think, I think Vegas wants a. Uh, there's two. There's there's two type of candidates I think fit well for Vegas in, in the coaching spectrum. If I'm Julian, I don't want to coach in Vegas because even though they're going to be better than other past expansion teams, um, uh, I'm just throwing a blank on his name. The owner of the team uh, in Vegas. Uh, yeah, Foley has even said that their goal is to compete for a playoff spot in three years. So if you if you if you're coming in and your owner and, and your owner who is gung ho about it, but I mean, I guess the fair thing is you could say your owner has realistic expectations, but it's still one of those things where you're not going to compete for a couple years. You're going to be you'll be better than some of the other expansion teams in the past, but you're not going to have a team that's going to have a, have it's going to be able to compete and 
be a playoff team. So if I'm Julian, I don't go there. Um, I mean, in the Western Conference right now, if they put together the right team together, I would not be surprised if they challenge for a playoff spot next year because the Western Conference is ass right now. The Western Conference is very bad right now. You'd have, I mean, right now you but have. You, you look if they get if they get the right goalie and he has a fantastic year next year, you push them into the bottom fourth of the playoffs. Yeah, and you have. And you have, they're going to get, I think they, they, they might be able to be in play, and I wonder if they'll be able to be in play for a big free agent or anything like that just because they'll have the cap space to do it. Right. Um, and they also have the, if, correct me if I'm wrong, I believe Vegas also has the Dallas and Florida advantage of no state income tax, correct? Um, yes, I believe you're correct. Because I, th- I, I, don't, I don't, I might be wrong, I might be dead wrong on that one, but I think they're... I think you're right. I'm trying to remember. Um, yeah, Nevada's one of them. Alaska, yeah. Florida, Nevada, South Dakota, Texas, Washington, and Wyoming. Yeah. So, now, I, I, can, I can see your point on Julian, but I don't think he, I don't think, if I'm him, I don't think I go to Vegas. I think if I'm Vegas, I think the perfect opportunity for, I think there's two guys that work really well for Vegas in my mind. The first one is Ken Hitchcock, because I think he has a, has, would be good. He has, for one, he has a history of working in non-traditional hockey markets and helping build a hockey market and a and a and, a, uh, and, a fa- and help build a sport in an area. Also, how many other coaches do you know that actually wear sweatshirts that just say the word hockey on them? Um, <laughs> I, I I got the story. Have you ever seen that sweatshirt, Ken Hitchcock's uh, hockey sweatshirt? I don't think so. So it's just a gray hoodie. That just says hockey on the front, and so I got the backstory on it. I was told the backstory on it a couple weeks ago. Apparently, he and his wife were at a craft fair some one day, walking around, and there was a there's a like a stand selling gray hoodies, and he was going to buy one. And she said, "Well, you should buy one that says hockey on it, so in case you ever forget what sport you're coaching, that you can just look at your shirt." <laughs> yeah, that's so. I think he'd be a good fit there, and I don't think Vegas will go this route because I think they've got they they want to be flashy and they want to get an owner, and their owner wants to make a splash. But and so they won't go this route. But I do think an AHL coach ready to an AHL coach ready to make the jump would be very good in Vegas because they'd be used to working with younger players, they'd be used to building and development. And I I don't think Vegas will go that route because I think Vegas will want to go flashier. They'll want more name recognition, but. If you're looking at from just a hockey ops side, I think it would work for maybe a Todd Nelson from Grand Rapids or uh, the, the current coach in Wilkes-Barre Scranton, who I'm forgetting his name right now, but they always churn out coaches there. So, I mean, it also depends on what kind of style they want to play. Because if you're looking at the, if, you know, George, George McPeach Washington teams were always kind of that run-and-gun fast-paced style, and that doesn't really seem like a Ken Hitchcock type of no. Just based on watching his games back in the late 2000s. So, I mean, I, I, I agree that, that Hitchcock would be a good fit there. I think it also depends, too, on what style they're going to try to go for. Yeah. It's, you're going to have the, the jobs that are going to be open this summer. You're going to have Vegas, obviously. Um, 
I, I think Doug Waits doing a really good job of proving that he may, they may, there's probably, there probably won't be an opening in Brooklyn or Hartford or wherever that team is. Yeah. Doug Waits doing a nice job there. Uh, Mike Yo was already the coach in waiting in St. Louis, so that job's filled. Um, Florida, I think, Florida will have an opening um, because I, I don't think Tom Rowe's going to be the long term coach there. So if. This is a Dallas Stars podcast. If we get to the point where we come to the end of the season and the Stars decide not to renew Lindy, Lindy Ruff's contract, or not, sorry, not renew, if they decide not to extend or give Lindy Ruff another contract, the Dallas Stars all of a sudden become the best open job on the market. Yeah. I think that, well, I mean, I, could make, I think you could make a dysfunctional mess right now, but I think in terms of, a pure talent perspective, you can make an argument that Florida is just as good. Yeah, but, but I, in, in Florida, you Florida you may have a better defense. I don't disagree with that. But in, in Dallas, you're going to have there's what other what other opportunity are you going to come in to have and coach? You're not going to have a Jamie Ben or a Tyler Sagan in Florida. You're not going to have. Um, I, and I know Dallas doesn't have an Aaron Eckblad defenseman that actually is reliable for the, for for the future, but it's still I. I'd, I'd put Dallas up there as a as a job where you you can go and you can you can succeed if you are going to trust the GM to help fix a couple of the problems. Yeah, I agree with that. Like, I don't want to sparse Dallas job at all because I'd like to think that it's a good job. But if I, I mean, it just depends on what you. I mean, if you have to win with. Just combobulated mess that that's that last year. I think that might turn a lot of people off, particularly if you're looking at a guy like Ken Hitchcock or Claude Julian, who are like I don't know if that's if they would even go against Florida. Well, because it's been one of the best possession teams in the league this year. I think they've been actually the best possession team in the league. So that would kind of what they're trying to do. But I don't know if just the way that Florida's kind of the way you know you listen to all these things. we kind of done things the last year is turned off these quote-unquote hockey guys. So I don't know if that factors into anyone's decision. So I think from a pure talent perspective, just Dallas, there's a lot of guys on Dallas who progressed this year. Yeah. No, Florida's obviously not playing very well. But, I mean, you look at, I mean, obviously you mentioned Ekblad. There's no one in Dallas' system who compares to that. Like, I think John Klingberg will eventually figure his his game out, and that's actually going be really good. There's no Aaron Ekblad in Dallas' system. Then you mentioned Tyler Sagan Jamie Benn. They've played the entire year without Huberto and Barkov. Those are two hugely important players. I mean, granted, they're not even close. I wouldn't put them in the same at Sagan and Ben right now, but those are two guys that, if they stay healthy, they have the talent to potentially be in the conversation of guys who are among the best duos in the league. Then, you know, you have you actually have – I mean, granted, Luongo's getting older, and who knows? They also have James – I mean, and then – I mean, Luongo's a guy that even theoretically be on his radar, right? just as kind of a transition goalie to the next whatever they want to do. But they also still Jane Reimer, too. So, I mean, their goaltending situation, I think, is in a lot better shape than Dallas is right now. Then uh, I think you just have a lot of good young players there. Riley Smith, Petrochek, guys like that. So, I mean, I think you can make an argument that Florida's roster is in a comparable level to Dallas. It just depends on – but I think if you're looking at – a structure of the front office standpoint, Dallas is far and away better because there seems to at least be 
some sort of plan and there's a structure well, I th- like what's going on in Florida. Well, I also think there's there's a benefit for there's a benefit in Florida you have in Dallas as opposed to Florida where if I'm say I'm Claude Julian and I'm looking at things, um, Jim Nill and I think the, one of the main reasons Lindy Ruff still has a job is a he doesn't have uh, a there's a a the amount of injuries and I think there's a lot of things that chalk up to there but I think Jim Nill really doesn't want to fire a guy well doesn't really doesn't want to fire a coach um, I think Jim's comfortable letting his contract come out play out till the end and then letting him go and then not give him another contract but I think there's a loyalty level there with Jim that. That, that Jim Nill has to Lindy Ruff, that that's admirable. That's something where, if that's something where if you're a coach and you come in and you look at a situation where you're going to, he's going to respect you. You're going to get your contract and you're going to get get that opportunity. Even even in a year when you're when things are let down, as opposed to in Florida where there's who knows what the full facts are but it's still it's it's a bad look for Florida when they when Gallant gets left on the side of the road waiting for a taxi <laughs> in, in in Raleigh right when you too and I think there's a lot to be said about this as well is I think Jim Nill isn't a coward that's not the right word but he's not he understands that part of the I think he understands that part of the issues with this team this year stem from the moves that he's made Yes. Whereas I think you can argue in Boston, a lot, most of the problems stem from the idiotic move made the last two or four years. And I think, I mean, just going back and with the Tyler Sagan trade, that was obviously, I mean, in, in hindsight, it wasn't even close to a good idea. And I mean, even if you say, what are you doing right now? I mean, I mean, you can argue that if Don Sweeney and Kim Neely weren't, at their jobs the last four years, then the Bruins would be in a lot better situation and then I needed a fall guy and that was Claude Julian. Yeah, and, and, and the Stars have a... And, and to get to the, get into the Stars situation on, on what happens with on what happens with Ruff, um, I think Jim Jim Nill I think Jim Nill likes um, not likes, but accepts that the uh, that some of the blame here is on him and there's there's the play that, that Right now, there's not. There's also not a better option to hire in the middle of the season. Now, mm-hmm. I do believe that. I, I, I each each day I feel less and less that Lindy Ruff will be back next season. From the extent that not what Jim Nill thinks, but the Stars have an owner who wants to win, and mm-hmm. I have a feeling that if he sees it, and I, and I know, I know Tom, I know Tom, Tom Gallardi is a. He's a he's a hockey guy. He is a guy who I remember when he was going through. Uh, he own not only does he own the Dallas Stars and the Texas Stars, he owns the Kamloops Blazers. He, he's a big hockey fan, and so I know he wants to see his team win. And so if he sees that there's he sees that Lindy Ruff's here and he they missed the playoffs two out of four years, and he's the one paying the checks. I think that could be the main reason Lindy Ruff won't be back. Not because Jim Nill, even even if Jim says, even if Jim goes to Tom uh, Tom Gallardi and says, "Hey, this is my fault," I still think he looks at says, "I don't care. This is my team. I'm paying the checks. I, I, I'm paying the bills. I wanted I want a new coach." So I think that could come. In, I think that could be a huge factor come into play for the Dallas situation for why um, Lindy Ruff won't get another contract with this team. And 
and I think, I, I really think, I, I've really reached a point in my mind where I don't think, and nothing, and no decision has been made on Lindy Ruff yet. I want to make that clear right now. No decision has been made. There hasn't been, no one, he has, they haven't fired him. They haven't decided what, what they're going to do yet. But I still think that there is a, if the Stars don't win a, don't win the, don't win a playoff round, I do, there's a new coach next season. And that's still, that feels close to a lock in my mind. Um, which gets to the point where, we, which leads us to, the, and especially now that there are going to be, there could be the candidate out there that I think could work really well with this Dallas team if, uh, if given the chance in, uh, in Claude Julian. Because I think he'd be a really good fit in Dallas if you gave him that opportunity. If he wanted it. Yeah, I don't, I don't disagree with that. Well, I mean, and we're also talking about a team that right now I don't think is going to make the playoffs anymore. I mean, we talked last week mm-hmm. about how this streak would go in this. It has not started well. Well, no, they won't. Just, and I mean, it just looks like this team has looked all year. Like, you know, they'll have a good they'll have a good game and they'll do dumb things in that game, but they'll ultimately come out on top and then they'll play okay and then they'll piss it away. It's just, there's just no consistency to this team this year. Well, and, and they went. And I think, I legitimately think if this team doesn't make the playoffs, then there's there's 0% chance that Lindy Ruck comes back. Yeah, and we agree with that. And the, uh, the fact of the matter is the Stars went 2 2 and 2. And they they played well. They I mean, two of the losses, the overtime loss and the shootout loss, were uh, to two really good teams. But they went two two and two during a six game road trip, homestand. They didn't pick up any uh, they pick up any points really in the standings, and it just they looked at, they looked like an average hockey team again. And I know, and, and they look average by NHL standards. Let me let's say that real quick. They look average by NHL standards because I know that they're actually. I know they've actually lost more games because of the, the the NHL point system, but by NHL standards, they are average. I'm just addressing that because I get that on Twitter quite a bit from people who tell me that they're actually an extra 11 games under 500. But by NHL standards, they are an average hockey team. Right, exactly. There's two. There's obviously we're in agreement that this is not a very good hockey team. Mm-hmm. But the fact of the matter is, is the NHL has a system that basically artificially creates parity mm-hmm. for the sake of for the sake of keeping more teams in it longer, so more fans stay engaged longer. By the standards set forth by the National Hockey League, this is an average hockey team. Mm-hmm. We all can see it with our eyes, and we can all do math, and we can figure out that they've lost a bunch more games than they've won, and that means that they're not very good. But with the system that's in place, that's what we're playing. We're not playing with, at, with hypotheticals or anything like that. We're playing with the system that's in place, and with the system that's in place, is this is an average hockey team. Mm-hmm. Do you, you th- want to know a fun fact? Of course, I want. To. I love fun facts. The Bruins have started a goalie not named Tukarask eleven times this year, and won exactly one game for it. Sounds like the Stars for that. Sounds like the Stars for the past the four or five years before they decided to go with their current goalie system. Their backup goaltenders have a combined eight seventy one save percent this year. Claude Julian got fired because. Don Sweeney did not give him a reliable backup goaltender. Or is what it basically went to. Or and, and reliable, and he continued to think uh, Zidane Uchara could still play twenty five minutes a night. And, right, exactly. Yeah. Their defense is other than I mean Chara's. It's like Char and a. Stops. I mean Brandon's pretty good defenseman, but hold on, let me. What the. Okay. Keep anyway. Keep talking. I'm gonna look at something real quick. Well, you're talking about Boston and the uh, and I hear the train coming by your your apartment. I assume. Um. Yeah, the, 
that that never gets old. Yeah. I I think Julian would be a good fit in Dallas. I don't think um, I don't think Gallant would be a good fit just because I don't like. I think he plays. I don't know if his style would work well with Dallas. Um, mm-hmm. I think Hitchcock would be if Hitchcock wants to get back into coaching. I don't. I, I think the Stars would have that conversation possibly. I don't. I don't know if they'd consider it or not. I'm just. I'm not really sure what. Uh, once again, it's a style thing, or I don't know if Hitchcock's style would fit in well with with this Dallas team. But I don't know. The com- they might have the conversation. Um, I, I really think the, uh, but I really do think the number one, the number one goal, if you're the stars, if you take a look at it, is is getting that, is having that conversation with Julian because I think he's he's arguably the, he's easily the number one coaching candidate available. And I was having this conversation with somebody. I was having this conversation with somebody else in hockey media the other day, where they were asking me if what I thought about. Uh, if I thought the stars would uh, look at Hitchcock and and a, and a possibility, but it's a thing where it's and I even said to them this was four four or five days ago, where I told them that I think if Julian was available, then all of a sudden it'd be much easier for Jim Nill to let Lindy Ruff's contract expire um, and just let to let that go. So I, I think that's a. Uh, I, th- I think it's I think it's the right fit for I think it'd be the right fit for both teams. Based, uh, I think it'd be, be the right fit for both sides between Dallas and Julian. Now there are the uh, now Boston does have him under contract through the 2017 through next season, so they'd have to grant permission. But you also don't have the system in place anymore where they uh, uh, used the, the NHL got rid of that system that was in place for about two years, where you had to give a compens- give compensation for a coach or executive getting. Getting getting hired when they were under contract with another team, which I actually didn't mind that system in place if you were hiring somebody who was still working there. But I, I thought it was kind of ridiculous that if you had to give someone compensation for somebody you fired. Right. So, can we? I I found what I was looking for. Okay. I would just like to illustrate to everyone how Austin's salary structure is for next year. Yes. And why Claude Julian is probably happy he's not going to be coaching this team next year. Mm-hmm. They have they have four defensemen under contract next year for at least two point five million plus a two point two million buyout penalty for Dennis Seidenberg. Do you know who the defensemen that they have under contract are for next year at this money? That is- I guess you probably because you're not looking at the cap friendly page right now. I'm not looking at the cap friendly page, and it's four guys over two point five. Yes. Is Chara still under contract for next year? Chara, for whatever reason, his cap hit goes down to $4 million next year. Okay. Um, his salary goes down to $4 million, but it's, it's also his cap hit. Is, uh, it's the last year of his contract. I'll be honest. I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't know. The, uh, I don't watch much. I don't watch the Bruins very often, so I don't. No, I don't either. So I don't, I don't who, go over who, who's, who's under contract for who's the other three guys for more than 2.5 next year. Tory Krug for five point two five. He's making five. Krug's Adam making McQuaid. five point. Krug's making five point two five. Yes. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Adam McQuaid for two point seven five. Okay. And Kevin Miller for two point five. And people in Dallas don't like that Jordy Ben yeah. makes a million dollars. Yeah. 
like that's so that's your top four D right there in terms of your price structure. Not very and good. I, like Dan Char used to be really good, but I don't. He wouldn't even be a four D on Dallas. I don't. Well, that's a stretch. Yeah, I think he'd be a second guy on Dallas, but still, the dude's tall. The dude's old. Oh, it's just not good. And then the forwards are even worse. Like you got David Krejci making seven point two five, and he's been not very good this year. Bergeron's making six point eight. Backus is making six for four more years after this one. That was a terrible con. That was a that, that was a terrible contract. That was a terrible contract. Backus, but I don't know why I thought that was a good idea. That was a good deal for. I, I thought he would have been a good one year signing, but he he got. Yeah. Oh, yeah, one, two, three years, anything like that. But they gave him five, six, six years, five years. I don't, I can't count, five years. Uh, uh, making 6.125, which looks pretty good now, the way he's exploded the last couple years. You have Matt Bolesky making 3.8 for some reason. Are you still there? I'm still here. I'm just listening. I'm, I'm digesting these oh. Bruins contracts right I now. I couldn't hear anything from your end, so I'm like, ah, crap. And then you have Jimmy Hayes making 2.3. Jimmy Hayes has, like, two goals this year. I'm just digesting. The, so, I'm here. I'm just digesting these Bruins contracts. Gotcha. I mean, you have, as of right now, they'll have about, assuming the salary cap doesn't go up next year, they'll have about $13.5 million in cap space with – I'm assuming they probably won't bring John Michael Lyles back. They'll need a new contract for Joe Morrow, Ryan Spooner, David Pasternak, who's going to get a fat raise. Mm-hmm. Austin Zarnick. I mean, so I mean, they'll be able to fit those guys under there. But God, that's just not. Well, that's that, that goes that goes to illustrate your point. That illustrates your point that maybe the wrong guy got fired. I mean, you think about a couple of these coaches that have been fired this season um, where maybe the wrong guy got fired. In St. Louis, Doug Armstrong did not set up, uh, did not set Hitchcock up to succeed this year. Uh, he did not, as far, as far as what he gave him. And actually, I mean, I know some people were, were ripping into Armstrong for not re-signing Backus, but if that's what Backus was going to get, I'm fine with that deal of him not getting Backus. But the, the goaltend, they, their goaltending was, it's, went to crap. I mean, it's not Hitchcock's fault. And yeah, well, right. I don't think it's any other fault that you you kind of invest in Jake Allen, thinking that he's going to be your goal center of the future. And I mean, the you had every reason to believe that, and he just, he got the yips. Like, yeah, no one's fault, really. Yeah, well, and, and you and you can't fire and you can't fire a goalie. I mean, <laughs> right. Well, that's the same thing in Boston. We just their backup goaltending's been awful, and Tukarask is only in nine eleven this year. Yeah, still it's still ten points higher than all the stars goalies. Yeah, but yeah. It's uh, I mean Boston actually has people. Boston actually has a better record than Dallas. That's the other thing. Like in a better conference. In a better conference, yeah. No, it's not. If 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 anything, it's you. You're trying to play with that heart, that model of we fired, we fired the guy, and we fired the coach, and all of a sudden the guys will get pissed off and will respond. And if anything, that's what they're looking for there. Um, and you know what the kicker is. At five on five, Boston has the best Corsi four percentage in the league, by a full percentage point. Which is something I was actually going to bring. I didn't know it was first though. I knew it was high up there, and I was actually going to bring this up. Yes. Where? So. Their, their percentage point above Los Angeles, 
and they are they are three and a half percentage points above their first place. They are far other them in Los Angeles are far and away the best possession teams at five on five this year. So how okay, so with that in mind, now I wanted to bring this up either this week or next week. I wanted to bring this up sooner than later because Yes. So the Kings are the best, as you just said, the best possession team in the NHL. And they are, no, sorry, sorry, the Bruins are the best possession team in the NHL, and they are a bad hockey team, as we've been talking about. Um, the Kings are second, the second best possession team in the NHL, according to Course E4. And they're in the middle of the wild card hunt. They're not a, uh, they're, they're, you, you, everyone talks about having the better possession numbers, and that's important, but the two teams, you would think, based off how people talk about the trends and everything like that, you'd say, well, if I told you the two teams had the best Corsi for you, you'd think that it would be maybe Minnesota, who has the best record in the best record in the Western Conference, or or uh, or maybe or maybe Pittsburgh or something like that. So, and this is getting into a overly analytical situation talk and conversation that I'm not that can go into quite a bit of a wormhole, but. How right. how should we look at Corsi, Ryan? How how do you think you should look at Corsi? Because it's something where it's you can't you can use both the eye test and advanced stats at the same time. I'm I'm of that belief. I don't like there's I don't like the belief that people go there's some people who go and look only at advanced stats and only look at that, and then there's some people who who completely rip on the analytics and ignore it completely, and yeah. and I, I don't think you can do that either. So. How, how, how are we supposed we're to look at it? This is working kind of murky for me because you say, you know, this team is the possession team. It stands to read, you know, they should be better. Mm-hmm. But you look at, you look at, Los Angeles and Boston are in some four in of shooting percentage. To me, if I'm thinking about this from like, if I'm critically expecting that they're not getting good shots, that they're just sucks at the net. Because, I mean, for those of you who don't know, at this point, Corsi 4 is just all shot attempts. It's just a percentage of shot attempts throughout. I mean, block, miss the net, on goal, a goal, off the post, whatever. And Corsi also, you get positive Corsi from no matter where you shoot from, too. It doesn't matter where the shot comes from. Correct. And that's And you get... You know, you'll have these quote-unquote hot guys say, well, if that's the case, people just shoot from center ice. No, people aren't shooting from fucking center ice just to improve their Corsi numbers because it's stupid. And everyone knows that that's stupid. And if that's your detraction against Corsi, then you're an idiot. I'm going to say it right now. If that's your detraction against Corsi, saying that people are just going to throw the fuck at the net from wherever just to help their Corsi, you're an idiot. But that being said, there's something – I mean, people you'll – ha- you'll hear people who are very pro-analytics saying Boston's shooting percentage is – bad luck and it's going you know the, you know they're putting pucks on the net that eventually it's going to change which it there's it stands to reason that that's true they have a lot of good talented players on that team who are having bad years mm-hmm. but it also stands to reason that it's a team that's not getting enough quality shots and i just watched that this weekend watching bowling green throw 85 shots on addy tolvanen and they scored zero goals because all of their shots from the outside because they couldn't get anyone in front of the net. Well, it's just like the... So, I, mean, uh, there's, I think there's a balance that needs to be struck there. And, and per, I think the perfect example is you take a look at that. that did you... Uh, if you look at the Stars game against Toronto, where they let up uh, they let up 43 shots against Toronto, and Kari Lettinen makes mm-hmm. 40 saves, but I'd argue of the 40 saves he made, maybe five were difficult. 
like one yeah. of the where and, and course like so the fourth the third period Corsi four was in that in that Toronto game Toronto outshot uh, Dallas fourteen to one and there's also you could use talk about score effects in there and things like that but um, and so was was Toronto that much better of a team or were they just taking a lot of sh- just shooting from wherever too it was a little bit of both because. The Stars actually did a decent job defending in that game, and Lettinen didn't have to make that. Most of his saves were either from the outside, bad angles, and things like that, where those things count just as equal. Those things count just as equally positive. That that bad angle right. shot counts the same thing in the, st- in the statistics as the one timer from the slot, for example. Right, and you mentioned too. You mentioned too Toronto throwing a lot of shots on the net. You get a lot of that too, where a team is trailing by two, three goals early in the game, so there's firing pucks at the net the other team's just dumping the team dumping the puck in to get a change or whatever so they i mean there's different metrics that you can have to mm-hmm. to kind of mitigate for that so if you kind of so like if you this site has five on situations which i don't remember what the exact definition of close is i think is it is, 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 is it is it one goal or two goals i, I think like close think, is within a goal or two i'm not sure it's, it's definitely within a goal or two i just don't remember i don't remember which one it is but boston's still the best possession teams in terms of five on five close mercy percentage uh five on five tied they are fourth fifth best uh five on five leading they are tops by a full percentage point, they're one of two teams that have a positive that have a greater than fifty percent coursing percentage when they're leading at five on five. And on five trailing, they are by far the best, sixty three point four two percent. For but I mean, in all situations, their shooting percentage at five on five is under seven percent. To bring that back home, let's bring that back home here. Let's can you pull up Dallas's uh, coursey four for me in those situations? Yeah. Um, Dallas at five on overall is eight nine point six. So, so you you broke up there for a second. Say that again. What's that? Dallas is what at five on five? Yes, that's just five on five overall. Well, let's say the number again. You you cut out. Six one. Forty six point one for at five on five. Forty six one. Okay, so not not good. No, um, five on five close. They are sixteenth in the league at fifty point three five. Okay. So I mean, I mean positive, but mm-hmm. um, five on five tied. They are actually when the game is tied, they are actually tenth in the league at fifty one point five nine. So there's that. Uh, five on five when they're leading is whoa. They are twenty fifth at forty one point three three. Okay. So that kind of suggests that when Dallas has the advantage, they kind of go into a little bit of a shell. And I could tell you, and I can say that's true uh, from watching them play. Yeah. Then when they're trailing at five on five, they're twenty or they're nineteenth in the league at fifty-four point eight. Okay. So that, I mean, not a lot of variance. Yeah. With Dallas, they're all within they're within pretty much within five percentage points all five on five situations. It's interesting. I mean, it, it, it's you try to figure out the the right analytics for things, and I think Corsi's better than um, Corsi's better than maybe using plus minus and things like that. But I never. I hate, I hate plus minus. Yeah, uh, 
the thing that I've been kind of, the interesting thing in that I was just kind of, and I don't know enough about it, and I, and I admit I'm, I'm speaking from a point of ignorance because I don't understand the stat well enough, is I see there's a, apparently one of the trends, trendy stats now for players is estimated goals for an estimated, it's essentially estimated plus minus, which I just think it's kind of ironic we've gotten to a point of, I think, fancy stats and analytics started because people didn't like plus minus, and now it's, gotten, it's come almost full circle back to the point where we're estimating plus minus before it happens. Speaking of guy, speaking of a guy, yeah, yeah, I don't know enough about it, and so I don't want to go full in. But speaking of someone who the analytics uh, analytics people don't like right now, and Stars fans in general don't like right now, and I wanted to uh, kind of throw this out to you there, Ryan. How did uh, Cody Eakin replace Jordy Ben as the most hated Dallas star amongst the fan base? Dude, I have no idea. I wish I had an answer for that one. Because uh, I, you, you texted me yesterday, and I still can't think of it. I, I mean, maybe his goal, 30 games this year, and the fact he's making almost $4 million against the cap. I mean, offensively, we, I mean, we can all agree offensively. Cody Eakin's been terrible this year offensively. but And he hasn't, and he hasn't, uh, he hasn't produced, and, he, and he's, he's, def, he's certainly overpaid offensively, especially when you look at what the likes of Raddick Fox uh, and Devin Shore are making, and even, even a Brett Ritchie. However, I... There is, he still brings some value to the team, which I think is just being completely forgotten by people right now. Mm-hmm. He's, I know. Yeah, he's still, I mean, I saw a graph yesterday that's saying his defensive has been minimal, but he's still generally a pretty decent defensive forward. Well, the other night he had against, uh, for example, I think the uh, the Chicago game the other night where I thought he he I might be I might be wrong on this I'll have to double check but he was very good in the faceoff circle and he was actually he was good defensively he he played well defensively and he actually had a I thought he had a strong game there it wasn't his fault that uh, wasn't his fault that John Klingberg forgot how to play defense in the third period. That was uh, that's that, that's another thing that's that that's a problem with this team right now is, and I wrote a little bit about this the other day where, you have. And we've talked before how Esselindel and John Klingberg could be a very good pairing in the long term, but right now that narrative is being shoved down our throats, and they're playing in key situations when maybe after Jamie Ben scores to give your team a three-two lead instead of putting John Klingberg, and Esselindel on the ice against the Patrick Kane line. Maybe you put out Dan Hamhuse and Jordy Ben, who have actually been good defensively. Maybe you try and actually win that. <laughs> like, it's so. It's uh, those are some random musings, I guess. Yeah, we'll we'll, we'll end this with uh, real quick. They've got the road trip um, coming up. They play Toronto tonight. They play in Ottawa Thursday. Then they're back at home on Saturday. Um. Any chance at all, and we'll end this with the goalie situation because people always love talking about goalies. Any chance at all you start Antiniemi in either road game? Would you, if I told you? <laughs> I mean, trends say no, but played that well the last couple games, so why not? Yeah. No, I... At this point, you're at the kind of at the point you got to start throwing shit at the wall and hope something sticks. That's... <laughs> 
probably it's the probably the best way to put it. And you know what? We'll end it with that. So everyone go throw some shit at the wall, see what sticks, and have a great week. <laughs>